Welcome to Disciples House. Please be seated. Well, um, just so you know, there'll be no uh, Wednesday night services this week because we'll be in Gatlinburg uh, at the Contending Faith Bible Conference. Actually, Pigeon Forge, you're right. Uh, they moved it slightly. Uh, they run together, so to me it's the same place. Anyway, so th that's what we'll be doing next week from uh from uh, Monday through Friday, we'll be in Pigeon Forge. And then, uh, of course, uh, on September 2nd is uh, Prayer for the Nation at 8 a.m. where we'll all come together and we'll pray for this nation and uh, pray that it gets back on track and that people's eyes are open, that they see the truth and that they come to know the truth and that they, they get on their knees and pray as well. And then, of course, uh, September 4th is Labor Day. And then September 9th... Uh, we're going to have a, a lake picnic in, uh, at, at Jackrabbit, uh, um, and uh, we're going to try and get the boat up there, and, and uh, we'll have a good time and have some good food and, and fellowship. Uh, coming up also, uh, don't have the specific dates yet, but we're going to have a ladies' shopping trip and a, um, a church family movie game slash game night, uh, and then, of course, Generation Life Youth Camp's coming up. And uh, we're also looking into uh, possibly doing a trip to the Ark Encounter and the Creation Museum in Kentucky uh, as, a, as a church thing. But So if you're interested in that, let us know because so, it helps to know how many people are interested and, uh, and then when they're available as well. So let us, please let us know on that because uh, I know I want to go, but if, but if anybody else wants to go, I'd love to have them come as well. Yes. yes. I see you, Miss Brooke. <laughs> All right. Thank you. So our meditation for this week is our in him is Romans uh, 3 verses 23 and 24. And it states, for all have sinned and come short of the glory of God, being justified freely by his grace through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus. So our confession, I have sinned and come short of the glory of God. Thank God. I am made right by his grace through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus. 
Thank God we have that. Because we all fall short. We all make mistakes at times. But we have God and we have Jesus. Thank, thank God. All right. So heal, uh, our healing scripture for this week is Exodus 23, uh, verse 25. And it says, And ye shall serve the Lord your God, and he shall bless thy bread and thy water, and I will take sickness away from the midst of thee. So our confession, I will serve the Lord my God, and he will bless my food and refreshment, and take sickness away from me. Praise God. All right, so let's pray. Lord, we, we come before you and we, and, and we come together to, to worship you and to glorify you and to hear from you and to learn from you. Lord, we know that when we're, when we're gathered together that you're here in our midst, Lord. We just ask that you, you forgive us for our sins, forgive us for the things that we've done, that you, that, that, that it's washed away because we, we repent and we turn away from that. Lord, we just thank you that, that you made a way for us, that, that your son should die for us, that, that, we, that we wouldn't be separated from you because, Lord, we all mess up. Lord, we just thank you. Satan, we bind you in the name of Jesus. You cannot come to steal, kill, and destroy. You will not interfere with the word. You will not interfere with our worship. You will not interfere with our people. You are bound and you must leave in Jesus' name. In fact, you must flee in Jesus' name. The word says, and you must go. Lord, we just thank you that you've given us the ability to rebuke the devourer and to send him on his way. And we, we thank you that you have given us the spirit of self-control and, and of joy and of peace and of gladness. In kindness, Lord, we just thank you for the fruits of the Spirit. Lord, you are the Most High God, and we will worship you, and we will follow you, and we will, we will do your work, Lord. We will make you Lord of our lives, and we will follow you all the days of our lives. Lord, we just we thank you, Lord. We thank you in Jesus' name. Morning, Disciples House. Let's stand up and do our church confession together. I am the image of God. I am spirit and flesh. I am very good. I am fearfully and wonderfully made. I am crucified. I am a new creation and a new creature. I am dead to the flesh, but I live in Christ. I am dead to sin, quickened to life, saved by grace. I am buried with Christ by baptism. I am raised from the dead with him. I walk in the newness of life. I am forgiven and redeemed. I am an ambassador of Christ. I am the righteousness of God. I am the workmanship of God's hands. I am created and ordained to do good works. I am justified by faith. I am chosen and I abide in Christ. I am holy and without blame. 
I am predestined for adoption. I am more than a conqueror, and I am great. Wait, I am an overcomer, sorry. And I am greater. I live, move, and have my being in Christ. I reign as a king in this life. I can do all things in and through Christ. I am near to God by the blood of Jesus. I am raised and seated with Christ in the heavenly places. Jesus, I am here to meet with you. On, on Sunday morning. And uh, I just want, I want you all to know that we do this uh, not because we are these things, but because we expect to become these things. And when you, when you read them, you should have put on an expectation that I will become the ambassador of Christ, that I will, that I am chosen, that I am justified by faith, that I am the righteousness of God. Yes. And thank God I am forgiven and redeemed. Yes. We should always, when we read these, we should have an expectation. We should believe that this is true. And it, amen. Thank God he was worthy. Pray. 
Father God. So since he deserves the praise, Father uh, congregation, we're going to give him some praise. Yes, Lord. Every praise, every praise 
from the inside, from the inside of me, may you delight in the inside, in the inside of me, come From the inside of me, set me on fire. From the inside, from the inside of me, because all I For you to be 
Probably not. When it's turned on, yep. Makes it a lot better. That was my bad.
do that. I'm to Isaiah 53. there okay chapter 53 who hath believed our report and to whom is the arm of the lord revealed for he shall grow up before him as a tender plant and as a root out of a dry ground he hath no form nor comeliness and when we shall see him there is no beauty that we should desire him he is despised and rejected of men a man of sorrows and acquainted with, with grief. And we hid it as it were our faces from him. He was despised and we esteemed him not. Surely he hath bore our griefs and carried our sorrows. Yet we did esteem him stricken, smitten of God and afflicted. But he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon him. And with his stripes we are healed. This is not a fairy tale. This is not a fairy tale. This is not a fairy tale. This is not something that we just preach just to preach. This is not something that we just say just to fill our time and make us feel good about ourselves. Jesus was a real man. He is the son of the living God. He left his heavenly throne. He came to the earth through the womb of a woman, through the womb of a virgin. He lived on this earth for 30 years without the power of God. And he did not sin a single day. He stepped into ministry at the age of 30. And he ministered being greatly despised and greatly loved for three and a half years. And then he willingly went to the cross as the lamb slain for our sins. That's who he is. That's who he is. He's not a fallacy. 
He's not a he's not a story. He's not a figment of our imagination. There's he's not one of a thousand gods. He's the only true God. He's the only God that ever gave his life for you. For you. And he did this while being despised and rejected of men, being despised and rejected of his people, his people, the people that should have loved him and glorified him and, and raised him up. They sent him to the cross. The work that Jesus did was not a free ticket to heaven. There's a price that had to be paid for you to go to heaven. And the price was the shed blood of Jesus Christ. And once he paid that price, yeah, you get a ticket into heaven. But you know what? Once you receive that ticket, you have the responsibility of paying that ticket back. You have the responsibility. Let me help you. There is a lie of Satan that says that everything is free. There is not a single thing in this world that is free. Not a single thing. Somebody somewhere is paying for it. And Jesus Christ, that's not, his, that's, that's not his first name and his middle name. It means Lord Messiah, anointed Messiah. It means Lord Savior. And when he saved you, he saved you from the works of sin and death in the grave. How dare anybody get saved, get born again, get the power of God dwelling on the inside of them, and then willfully, purposely go back into the bondage of sin and think that they're going to make heaven? Listen, are you going to allow a criminal to come live in your house? Why would God allow a criminal to come live in his house? Why? Why, would, why, why, should, why should we expect God to allow a criminal to live in his house when we wouldn't even do that? He is the God of gods. He did not set you free so that you could go right back into bondage and then go, Woo, but it's okay, I still make heaven. This life of Christianity... Is called, let me tell you how Christianity is spelled. You want a title for this? Everybody wants a title every week. Here's the title, The Word of God. This is what God has to say today. Last time I checked, when somebody comes to my house, we don't title what we do, the event of the day. But when we come to church, we got to have a title. Man says we got to have a title. So here's your title for today. Christianity is spelled W-O-R-K. Write it down. Christianity is spelled W-O-R-K. Once, once you receive the work of Christ, you become his employee and now you work for him. That's how Christianity is spelled. W-O-R-K. Once you receive the Christianity, once you receive the free gift of Christ, once you come into his employment then you have to go to work. You don't get to, listen, you don't get to sit around on flowery beds of sin and make heaven. That's not how this works. Yes, to obtain heaven is a simple thing. 
you believe in the Lord Jesus Christ. But to maintain your heavenly status, you have to do W-O-R-K. You have to. It's a mandate. It's a mandate. Well, this life doesn't come with a manual. Borky. Bunk, junk, and hogwash. This right here is your instructions for life. In fact, you can actually take the word Bible and it says, if you really want to anagram it, you can say basic instructions before leaving the earth. It's an instruction manual. But here's our problem. We're so puffed up in pride that we take our manual and we go, I don't need instructions. I can, look at the, I can look at the pieces and the parts, and I can figure out how to put this thing together. How many of you, put, how many of you had something you had to put together and, and, and saw the instructions and threw it to the side? <laughs> you always got parts left over, don't you? Ends up breaking, doesn't it? Something ends up not lining up, not working right. It works a whole lot better when we, when, we, when we take the instruction book and we actually open it, we actually read it, and we actually learn what it says. But here's what 90% of Christians do. 90% of Christians go, oh, I received Jesus. I'm headed to heaven. So here, I don't need that. That's what they do with it. Sorry if I offended you. But if you ever open that book, that's what you do. If you never take that book seriously, that's what you do. That is the word of God. Do you know that when you take that book and you throw it away, you're throwing Jesus away because Jesus is the word? Seriously. Go to Proverbs chapter 3. You know, man, I know that uh, a bicycle can be put together without an instruction manual. And it'll, it'll work just fine. You know, we can we can figure things out, but how much how much do you know that life is so much more complicated than a bicycle? And without an instruction manual, we get off track. Where's Proverbs? Proverbs three, verse one. Mm-hmm. My son, forget not my law. But keep thine heart, or keep, or let thine heart keep my commandments. For the length of days and long life and peace shall they add to thee. You want to know why people die early? Let me tell you why people die early. You want me to tell you why? They die early because they get into sin. Well, they're a good person. You know the Bible doesn't the Bible doesn't differ, differentiate between good people and bad people. The the, the deciding factor between good between in, in the Bible is sinner non sinner. So let me ask you: Is that person a sinner? Do you know every aspect of their life? Did they get into sin? Did they go Did they go down a road that the Holy Spirit said don't go down that day? Well, my loved one died. Are you saying that they're a sinner? I'm saying that the devil comes to steal, kill, and destroy. And if you don't walk according to God, you've got an open door to your life for the devil to take you out. That's what I'm saying. 
That's what I'm saying. Yes, we live in an evil world. Yes, we live in a cursed world. Yes, some things, bad things, sometimes, unfortunately, children die. Does that mean that that child sinned? No, it doesn't. But it does mean that somebody sinned somewhere. That's what it means. It means that somebody sinned somewhere. Go to Romans 23, or Romans 3, I'm sorry. Romans 3, verse 23. It says, for we have all sinned and come short of the glory of God. Everybody. Everybody. Let's talk about the Ten Commandments. Well, I've never... I mean, what's, what's, what's one of the first commandments? Thou shalt have no other God but the, but, but the Lord thy God. Uh, has anything ever taken priority over your God? Think about it. In your life, has anything ever at any point ever taken priority over your God? Uh, there's not a single person that can say, no, God's always been number one in my life in every area. There's not a single person that can say that. Guilty. Guilty. Yep. Has anybody, uh, don't take the Lord's name in vain. Have you ever allowed a profanity to come out of your mouth? I mean, I, I can't think of a single person other than a small child. But even now, even small children don't think twice about saying, saying GD and everything else. Come on. Have no graven images. That doesn't mean don't have a pretty picture on your wall. It means don't worship something that was man-made. Have you ever worshipped something man-made? Have you ever given it all your love, attention, and affection other than your God? Come on. Well, Pastor, I've never murdered anybody. Are you sure you've never ruined somebody's reputation? And besides that, the Bible, them? the Bible says that he that, that, that hates his brother might as well have murdered. It's the same as a brother. Have they, you ever, they, they, said, they said that he that hates his brother is, is considered a murderer. So has anybody here not hated their brother or or? And or when it says brother, man? it's not talking your biological brother. It's talking about having hatred for another person of mankind. Is, is anybody here, can anybody here stand up and say, I've never hated anyone? No, they can't. Come on. Well, I've never stolen anything. Are you sure? Did you take something from the fast food? Did you, did you go into the fast food restaurant and take a handful of paper towels? Well, they can afford it. That wasn't the question. Did you purchase it? Did you ever accidentally walk out of the store with something that you forgot to pay for? I know I have. You unload in your car, and all of a sudden, there's that little tiny bottle of something that you went, oh, my gosh, did that get on my ticket? Oh, Lord, it didn't get on my ticket. Did you go in and pay for it? I did. After I got born again, before I got born again, I said, woo, that's free to me. Guess what? It wasn't free to me. I stole it. I stole it. Yeah, there's another one. You go through the register, and they hand you back more money than you were supposed to get back, and you knew it. Whoo, I got extra money. Whoo, there you go. Guess what? You're a thief. You're a thief. Huh? You yep. might have just you ruined that employee's that job, because in that employee's job, if they come up short, it's on them. Yep. And if they come up short too many times, they lose their job. That's right. Whether it was their fault or not. That's right. 
That's exactly right. Well, my employee says that I get this, that I can have this for, I, my family gets this for free. And yet you hand out what your family gets to your friend that lives five roads over from you. Are they family? Well, they're like family to me in my heart. No. Thief? Thief? Well, I've honor thy mother and father. Have you lived pure with every degree of purity your entire life? Guess what? You have dishonored your parents. I, I don't lie. Are you sure? Are you sure you've never lied? Are you sure you never told a lie? Has anybody asked you what you were doing and you didn't tell the full truth? Let but, me just be real honest. But, Pastor, you don't know Look, you don't know how my parents are. Let me just be real honest. Brianna called me the other day, and I answered the phone while I was using the toilet. And she asked me, what are you doing? I said, Do, are you sure you want to know? And she said, oh, you're in the tub. I said, no, I'm not in the tub, but are you sure you want to know? And she said, I guess. Or she said, I don't know. I don't know what she said at this point, to be honest. But I said, what are you doing? And, and she said, and, and her and Jackie were together. And she said, well, Pastor, you didn't have to tell me you were on the toilet. You could have said you was just sitting there. I said, that would be a, that's what Jackie said. I said, you know what? That's a lie. And she goes, no, you have to sit to go potty, Pastor. And I said, but I'm not just sitting here. I'm actually doing something. Oh, gosh. Listen, now you think that that's, that's gross or whatever, but I'm telling you, God hates a liar. And if you're not 100% truthful, you're lying. So if you don't want to know what people are actually doing when you call them, don't ask. Be normal and say, hi, am I bothering you? And she said, why would you answer the phone if that's what you're doing? I said, because you're important and you're valuable. And I, and there, and I, and if I don't, and I, I feel like if I don't answer the call, people feel like they, they think I don't think they're invaluable. So if I have the opportunity to answer the phone, I'm going to answer the phone. This is the problem with cell phones. Right, right. Anyways, I'm just saying. Anyways. We were talking about honoring our parents. I'm just, um, no, we're talking about lying Well, at this point. Lying. Listen, if you're out having dinner with friends and somebody calls and says, hey, what you doing? I, I, I'm, I'm just having dinner. Guess what? You didn't tell the full truth. You didn't tell the full truth. You allowed the people to believe that you were having dinner by yourself. An omission of truth is still a lie. Did you hear me? An omission of truth is still a lie. Period. If you allow somebody to believe something that's not true because you omitted the truth, it's a lie. I call people out on this nonsense. I call them out. How you doing today? And you can see all over their face that they are struggling and having a bad day. And they go, I'm fine. I look at you and go, you just lied to my face. Why? Because God hates a liar. 
And you've got to learn to be truthful. I had to learn this. God got on to me about it. I. Jeffrey, so we talked about stealing. We talked about lying. We all talked about. Oh, have you ever committed adultery? Well, no, Pastor. I'm not even married. Okay. But might cool. you? But might you possibly be married someday? If the, it, have, have you ever have you have you had any? Have, let's let's talk about just the front side of adultery, the plain definition that we all know: sex outside of marriage. Okay. Have you had any? Now let me do, let me define sex. Let me define sex from a biblical standpoint, because you're not going to because most people are not going to open their Bible and find out what what God actually says sex is. So let me tell you what the book says sex is. Sex is any type of intimate contact any type of intimate contact so if i being a married woman cannot i'm not trying to gross somebody out but if i can't go to one of the men in the church and lay a big old slobbery kiss on their lips guess what that would be sexual contact that's a form of sexual contact that's, I, that, that, I, I'm not trying to be crude. I'm not trying to be yes, gross. Mari brings up a good point about side hugs. Right. The hence, the proper Christian hug is this. Listen, I don't mean to be crude and I don't mean to be gross, but I did youth ministry for 17 years. And I'm telling you, it's uncomfortable when them young men who don't have their hormones under control come up and hug up on you and you can feel what's going on down below. It's not appropriate. Thank God that never happened to me. Because <laughs> somebody had been on the ground. Well, I got news for you. It happens to us ladies all the time. Oh, boy. I'm not trying to be crude. I'm not trying to be gross. But here's the reality. We make exceptions and we make excuses and we say God's okay with it when he's not. When he's not. Intimate contact. If you go, well, we've been on two dates and I think that might be the one. So I can let them touch and feel private areas and I can get slobbery with them in a way that I won't get slobbery with anybody else. That's sexual contact. Mm -hmm. And if you're not married... If you're not married, you probably will be someday. So, or, or or if not you, then that person's probably going to be married someday. So you're sleeping with somebody else, or, or you're messing around with somebody else's spouse. The point is, they're going to be somebody's spouse someday. Have you have you messed with somebody intimately that is not your spouse? If they're not your spouse, another word. And listen, your spouse does not mean well. We're married to each other in our heart. If you have not stood up between before a judge. And or a minister and, and made a public declaration and filled out paperwork and put it on public record with two or three witnesses, then you, then you are not married. Not Period. in the eyes of God. You're not married according to the Bible. According to the Bible, yeah. Yeah, just because you got a ring on your finger doesn't mean that, been, that you've been bought. Until you stand up in front of a minister or a judge, you fill out the paperwork, you have two or three witnesses, and you make a public declaration, and it's recorded on public record, you are not married. Period. End of story. That's even what the Bible says. 
That's what the Bible says. So guess what? If you've done that, you've committed adultery. If you claim to be a Christian and you've made something else your God in your life, you've committed adultery. Sorry. Adultery is unfaithfulness to God. That's included in the definition of adultery. Have you coveted? Have you coveted? Have you, have you desired, like, like, like kind of gotten an attitude over, well, how come they get that and I don't? Have you coveted something? Have you been like, well, you've got a boyfriend. You've got a fiancé. You've got a spouse. You've got a fancy car. You've got a really nice house. Come on. You've got, you've got, people covet people's clothes. Or girlfriends. Or pets. It's ridiculous. Ridiculous. Yeah. Yeah. They're back there listening them up. People are, people covet other people's skin tones. Oh my God, Derek goes out in the sun for five minutes and he comes back a whole nother shade of, of beautiful. I get out in the sun for five minutes and I'm a red crispy critter. And I'm like, Jesus, what's wrong with you? Like, come on, Jesus. Okay, so that brings, that brings us to another one. Thou shalt not take the name of the Lord thy God in vain. Right? We talked about that one. Profanity. Like, come on, Jesus. I wasn't, I was not in that situation. I was just saying. <laughs> yeah, but it was a good example. It was. <laughs> but, but come on. Come on. You murdered. We talked about murder. We talked about stealing. We talked about left. lying. You got two left if, you, if you're just going to go through with the Lord's name in vain. Because we all do that. Right? We did yeah. that one. I mean, we, we may not, about we that not, one. We, we may not say GD or, or whatever, but, but we all. Oh, yeah. We all, we, we all have used. How about that? You're working on something, you stub your toe, whatever, and you're like, God. Have you, that's, guess what? That's God's name in vain. You say it with disdain. Come on. Or if somebody's, somebody's getting what on your nerves and you go, Jesus, just stop it. That's, Come on. That's using the name of the Lord in vain. Come on. Okay, so you got keep uh, keep the Sabbath day holy. Oh, Lord Jesus. Well, they're a good person, but they don't ever go to church. And can anybody here say that they've never missed a day of church? Not even me or Robbie. However, here's the deal. God's not upset. I mean, God's not upset, and it's not forsaking the assembly if you go on vacation. That's not what we're talking about. We're talking about, well, I'm just laying in the bed, and I just don't want to go. We're talking about you putting work before your God, before service. Guess what? If you put work before church, now God's not an unjust ruler. He knows you got to make an income, but you better. Be, but if you're in a work position where you can't, where you can't come to service, you better be trusting and believing God for your work situation to change instead of just going. Well, I just can't go to work. I just can't go to church, so it's no big deal. It's a big deal to miss the assembly. Listen, if the church doors are open and you willfully miss, you're in sin. Sorry. If the church doors are open and you say, mm, I'm not going to go, this other stuff's more important, you just sinned. Sorry, you did. Why? Because God, the word church, 
means that God has called you out of your home into a specific public place amongst specific believers so that you can fellowship with him. And God prepares every service for every person that he calls to that place. So if you willfully lay out of church, you're basically saying, God, I don't care what you prepared for me. What I'm doing is more important than you. That's sin. I'm just being real blunt, real honest this morning. All right. What last, other one last, did I miss? Last one. You shall not bear false witness against your neighbor. Well, that's lying. We talked about lying. Well, it is, but. We talked about lying. Uh, false witness. That's, that's, let's, let's define this a little bit. That's telling something on somebody that's not exactly true. That's telling your opinion like it's fact about a person. I call you out on that, too. I'll call you out on that, too. I'll ask you all the time. Well, so-and-so did it. Excuse me. How do you know that? Well, because, but that's your opinion. That's not a fact. Bearing false witness. Telling something about somebody that's not, that you don't know to be factually true is false witness. All right. So we've got, you shall have no other gods before me. You shall make no, no idols. You shall not take the name of the Lord your God in vain. First three are about God. Keep the Sabbath day holy. That's about God as well. Honor your father and your mother. We talked about that. And no, if your and father... there's honoring your and, natural parents and there's honoring your spiritual parents. Right. And, and, your, and your natural parents, yeah, they may not have been very good people. But you know what? The Bible doesn't mention that. Nope. It just says honor them. Nope. Whether here, through, your, through your actions or through just in the way you speak to them. All right. Thou shalt not commit murder. Well, if you consider hatred against your neighbor to be murder, then there's not a single one of us here that hasn't committed murder. If you've talked about them and, and, you've, and you've messed up their character, maybe you didn't completely ruin their character, but you've given people a bad opinion of that person because of the way you talk, that's murder. That's you, slander. You shall not commit adultery. Well, if you, if you consider, I'm, I may be wrong. But I'm pretty sure that none of us here has passed that one either. All right. You not, not, we're you, not. You judge yourselves. I know. I'm not judging anybody. I'm just I'm saying. I'm just saying. We're all in this boat. Because remember, adultery is not just physical intimacy. It's also being intimate with somebody other than. If you are cheating on God, you fall in the category of adultery. Yeah. yeah and it doesn't necessarily. It, yeah. Once you get into the definition of adultery, it even goes farther beyond that. You know, it's not just sexual. It's not just yeah. about sex. Yeah. Let's go to the lake instead of church. Yep. There, there right. you go. <clears throat> well, yeah. And then that's also not keeping the Sabbath day holy. All right. So thou shall not steal. Okay. Probably every one of us has stolen at one time. Taking a pen that wasn't yours. Walked out of the restaurant. Whether we, do, whether we did it on purpose or not. Did Still we take stealing. it back? You know. Um, you shall not bear false witness against your neighbor. Okay. We've all lied. And thou shalt not covet. Basically, we're going right back to Romans 3, where it says, For we have all sinned and come short of the glory of God. Now here's the so we've all broken all of the Ten Commandments. Here's, here's the reality. Well, see, see, you just proved our point that you, we can't help but sin. Well, that's true until you receive the Lord Jesus. Thank God we have the that's Lord Jesus. That's true until you receive the Lord Jesus. But once you receive the Lord Jesus, God writes his law on your heart. He gives you the, he gives you, 
He gives you the intercessor. On the, he gives you the Holy Ghost to lead, guide, and to separate you. And, and, and there's this thing called sanctification where he makes you clean and holy and your desire for sin is suddenly gone. Now, you can reignite that desire for sin if you so choose to by not getting your flesh under control. See, it's not... It's you not, can choose... You, you can choose to go right back into this thing. But it's, it's all a choice. It's, it's not my words that we've, all, that we've all sinned. It's right here in the Bible. It's God's word. It's God's word. And, we just, and, 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 and if we hadn't all sinned, then we wouldn't need Jesus. We just but went, we have. We just went through the Ten Commandments. Those are the only... Do you know God has hundreds of commandments in the Bible? Yeah. Hundreds of them. We went through ten and, and basically found, yourself to, found ourselves to be guilty of a multitude of them. I'm not going to say how many you're guilty of or how many I'm guilty of, but I guarantee you I'm guilty of more than two or three of them. I, I could easily guarantee say it. I'm guilty of Before all of them. Before I came into Christ. Now, do I honor my parents? Yes, I live as pure and as clean as I possibly can. Absolutely. When I do, do I take the Lord's name in vain? No, I do not. Do I forsake the assembly? No, I do not. Do I put other gods before my God? No, I do not. And if God reveals to me that I've slipped into that habit, I repent immediately and I clean it out of my life immediately. Do I commit adultery with my on my? Do I commit adultery either physically, or emotionally, or spiritually between with my husband or with God? Absolutely not. Do I steal? No. You know, I like to keep extra. I I I actually like to keep extra napkins in my car. So when I go into the when I go in to the fast food or somewhere like that that has napkins, I don't just take napkins just to take napkins. I will actually ask them, hey, do you mind to put a few extra napkins in the bag for me? I'd really appreciate it. And if they say, I'm sorry, that's all we can give, I go, okay. And if they go, sure, here's a few extras. Okay, thank you. I mean, that's what I do. But see, I'm asking. If I go out of the store uh, with something in my buggy and I realize I didn't pay for it, guess what? I trot myself back into the store and I pay for it. I pay for it. I go back in and I pay for it. If I find out, if you know, if, if, you know, you will not find me leaving an empty shopping cart in a parking space. I will either put that cart in the cart corral, and I'll actually neaten up the carts in the cart corral, or I'll take them into the store and put this and, and actually clean up the store cart thing. I won't leave if I if I take if I buy something in the store. Or if I put something in my buggy and I say, oh, I, you know what, I don't need that, I'll do one of two things. I will either go take it back and put it where it actually goes, not just on the aisle that it goes to. I will actually take it back and put it back on the aisle where it goes. Or when I get to the register, I will actually hand it to the cashier and I'll say, I'm, I'm incredibly sorry. I, I did not mean, I, I started to buy this, but I've changed my mind. Do you mind putting that back for me? And they'll go, no, I'll take it. Thank you. Now, it still gives them work, but at least I don't leave it over here where this employee has to pick it up, take it to the front, so this employee can come pick it up, take it over there, and I'm wasting that store's money. I at least, I at least help the process, you know. Why? Because now I've got God on the inside. I don't talk evil about people. I don't lie. I, you know, I'll start to answer a question, and the Holy Ghost will go, 
I mean, before I even get a chance to answer, just I'm still trying to figure out my answer, and I'll start to come up with an answer, and the Holy Ghost say, that's not, that's not exactly right. Okay, Holy Ghost, here's, here's the What do I do? I put my flesh down. I put my flesh down. I tell my flesh, no. No. Now, Robbie's not telling you all this stuff about herself to puff herself no. up. She's Good doing Lord, it to no. show you that it is possible to live a fairly and almost completely clean life. But everyone has their weak spots. You know, uh, if, you, if you consider murder to be just hating someone, you know, it's, it's pretty easy to, to love the people that, that love you. But when it comes to, when it comes to the people that, that hate you for whatever reason, it can be very difficult. And if you're not in the right spot, if you're not in the right frame of mind, if you're not standing in the Word of God, I'll tell you what, you're going to fall down that hole. You're going to fall in that pit trap. You're going to hate them because they hated you first. It's going to happen. And it, it, even, even, even the most religious, even the most devout follower of Christ is occasionally going to fall in that hole. But, thank but you God, don't have to. But you don't have to. Look and, at what it says. The Bible says, uh, Proverbs 3, verse 1. It says, my son or my daughter, this applies to you. You're the son, you're the daughter. He says, forget not my law. Forget not my law. Well, I don't know all the law. Listen, you ought to at least know the Ten Commandments. You ought to at least commit the Ten Commandments to your brain. To your brain. I mean, seriously. But Jesus said this. Jesus said, if you will love one another as I have loved you, you will fulfill the law. And if anybody had reason to, to hate those that hated him first, it was Jesus. But he didn't. But it says this. He didn't. He loved them, and he willingly went to the cross. He didn't have to go. He chose to go. He said, number he one. Went, he went because he loved those that hate him. I'm sorry to be I honest. Was, nope. Okay. But, but he went because he loved those that hate him. He proved that it can be done. And we're to try, we're to, as Christians and as disciples, we are to strive to be like him every day of our lives. The second half of verse three, or chapter three, verse one says, "But let not thine heart, or but let thine heart, keep my commandments." All you have to do to walk right with God is say, "God, when I'm, God, I'm fixing to do this thing right here. Is that okay?" And your spirit will say yes or no. And that's putting God first in your life. Your spirit will say yes or no. See, if, if, if you don't ask God what to do with your life and, and with your decisions, you're not putting him first. This is you're let putting your, yourself first. This is let your heart, not your brain, not your brain. Listen to me. Your brain will take you into sin. Your flesh will take you into sin. Absolutely. But your heart the center of who you are, the eternal part of you, the part of you that's alive unto God, your human spirit that is filled with the, with the love of God, with the atmosphere of God, with the presence of the Holy Ghost, your heart will say, mm, that's sin. Mm, that's sin. Don't ask your brain if what you're doing is okay or not. I never ask my brain. Well, God gave you a brain. Aren't you supposed to use it? 
Yes, I am supposed to use my brain, but I'm supposed to use my spirit above my brain. I'm supposed to use my spirit above my brain. Let's finish reading this. Let not, the, let not mercy and truth forsake thee. We're to have mercy and we're to have truth with us at all times. Bind them about the neck. Write them upon the tablet of thine heart. You know what most people bind up around their neck? Images of idols. Idols. Most people bind idols around their neck. Don't even get me started. We're supposed to bind the word of God around our neck. Uh, so that, and here's why, you, here's why you stay with the things of God. So that thou find favor and good understanding in the sight of God and man. You want favor in the sight of God? You want favor in the sight of man? Keep his word. Keep his word. Trust in the Lord with all thine heart. Trust in God with your heart, not with your head. God doesn't tell us to follow our brain. God tells us to follow our spirit, our heart, the eternal part of us. We're to be led by the spirit. And lean not on thine own understanding. And even tell, he says, he even goes on to say, listen to your spirit and ignore your stupid head. Ignore your stupid thinking. And if you can't hear the spirit, here's an instruction manual. Right. In all thy ways, acknowledge him, and he shall direct thy path. Listen to me. If you go, you know, I'm feeling a little, I'm, I'm feeling a little frisky. I think I'm going to hop in bed with Joe over here. God, is that okay? You know what God's going to say? Joe's not your spouse. Well, that's true, God. But in our heart, what do you mean in your heart? I, did, I, did, did you stand before me and, and, and devout yourself to each other? Did you enter covenant before me? I don't think you did. Well, okay, God. Listen, God's not okay with you jumping in a sack with somebody. Sorry, unless you are married. And here's the deal. Marriage is not handcuffs and a bondage. Marriage is a privilege and a right. It's a privilege. It's a privilege. You earn merit, and, and you don't get married simply so you can jump in the sack with somebody. Dear Lord in heaven, help us. Be what? Be not? Be not? What? Be not wise in thine own eyes? Mm. Don't think your brain has all the right answers. God, listen, God is digging on the brain right here. Let not, uh, be not wise and no eyes. Well, I've heard this excuse more times than I can stand, and I'm telling you what, if I hear it one more time, I'm likely just to, I don't know. Well, in my brain, well, that's not the way I see it. That's not what I think. Being wise in thine own eyes is hearing the word of the Lord and then trying to figure out how to do what you want anyways. Right. Instead, fear the Lord and depart from evil. For it shall be health to thy navel and morrow to thy bones. We love that the word of God is health to our navel and morrow to our bones. But usually we don't talk about... Uh, don't do stupid things that your brain tells you to do. Instead, uh, follow God. Depart from evil. 
Honor the Lord with thy substance. Do you know that your physical body is part of your substance? Yes. So it doesn't have to just be money. And I'm not talking about just sex. I'm talking about honor the Lord with your substance. Honor the Lord with your... Listen, honor your Lord with your brain. Be smart. Don't use your brain for an excuse for you to sin. Honor the Lord with the substance of your mouth. Don't lie. With the work of your hands. With the work of your hands. Don't be swift to, to shed innocent blood. Well, I'm not a murderer. I didn't shed innocent blood. Uh... Are you, are you tearing people down? Are you hurting their character? Are you hurting their reputation? Did you not give that money back at the cash register and that person got, got lost their job because of it? Come on. I, had, I worked in retail. I worked front end. I had a cashier absolutely lose her mind one day because a, client, because a customer was kind enough to return money when she gave them, the, when she gave them a 10 instead of a 1. And the reason she absolutely lost her mind is because she kept messing up her drawer. And if, she, if her drawer came up short one more time, was she it. was going to lose her job. And so the fact that that, cat, that that customer was kind enough to say, no, honey, you handed me a 10 instead of a 1 because she wouldn't keep her drawer straight. Because she wouldn't keep the dollar bills in the right slots. Because she just was all about the speed. She about, I mean, she just broke down in absolute tears on me. And I said, listen, I said, this is why we tell you to keep your door straight. Honor the Lord thy God with thy substance and with the first fruits of thy increase. So shall your barns be filled with plenty and thy presses shall burst forth with new wine. My son, despise not the chasing of the Lord, neither be wary of correction. For whom the Lord loveth, he correcteth. Even... As a even as a father, with a, uh, even as a father, the son in whom he delighteth. Listen, yeah, I'm being harsh this morning. I'm being just real, real this morning. I'm just being real direct this morning. But I'm correcting you because God loves you. I'm correcting you because here's the deal, and I'm sorry to say it, I am. You're part of this church. You're transparent. That's just the way it's going to be. Because here's the deal. The lies that have been running through our people have been ridiculous. Ridiculous. Yeah, they've been lying. Yep, there's been sex outside of marriage. Yep. There's been deceit. Yep. There's been cussing and vaping. Yep. It's been going on. People have been made, people have been listening to the Holy Ghost and been, and been made to, that when they said, hey, by the Holy Ghost, I know some things aren't right. Oh, no, you're crazy. You're stupid. You're out of your mind. There's been alcohol and drugs. It's been a problem, even in this little church. And here's why I'm exposing it. Number one, the Bible tells me to go to 1 Timothy chapter 5. We follow the whole word of God. You know, the, the, the Bible's... The Bible says that when you do these things, you're disrespecting your parents. 1 Timothy chapter 5, verse 19. Um, you're fine. Yeah. You're fine. 1 
First Timothy 5, okay. Let me explain the book of Timothy. In the book of Timothy, Paul is telling Timothy how to handle things in the church because Paul is getting ready to leave, and Paul was the great apostle establishing churches, and Timothy is about to pick up his mantle and take off. So Timothy, so Paul is giving Timothy and thereby all churches some really good wisdom about how to handle problems within the church, how to handle some problems within the church. And so in chapter 5, he starts talking he starts talking about how to handle um, elders in the church. Let me be very clear about an elder. When the Bible talks about an elder, many times when it says elder, it's specifically talking about the pastor, the one that has oversight. But he is also talking about those that are raised up in the word. They've been in the word for quite some time and that they should be able to be a leader in the church is another time that they're talking about leaders. So here he's talking, he, he says in verse 1, he says, Rebuke not an elder, but entreat him as a father. Um, and the younger men as brethren, and the elder women as mothers, and the youngers as sisters, with all purity. In other words, he said, he said treat everybody in your church as though they're family. Yep. That's what he said. He said, treat them like they're a family. Then he goes on and he talks about biblical widows. We're not going to talk about the widows right now, so we're going to skip over all that, and we're going to jump to verse 19. Okay. Against an elder, receive not an accusation, but before two or three witnesses. In other words, somebody, that, somebody that's well-established in the church and somebody comes with one accusation, we're not just going to say, oh, we're not going to just call that person in and say, so-and-so came to us and they gave us this accusation and now you're guilty. That's the way it is. No, if, but if we've got two or three people saying, oh, no, there's some stuff going on, uh, then, then we're going to have to pay some attention. Oh, not only has there been lying going on, but people have not only lied, but they've lied to their fellow brothers and sisters in the church, and then they said, oh, by the way, keep our secret. In other words, they took, them, they took the people in the church and made them part of their sin. That's been another problem that's happened. Bible talks about that, too. Come on. Let's try to read a little bit more. Okay. Them that sin rebuke before all that others also may fear. I charge thee before God and the Lord Jesus Christ and the elect angels that thou observe these things without preferring one before another, doing nothing by partiality. Right. Lay hands suddenly. On right there. Okay. Verse 20. He was, he was ready to roll. <laughs> Verse 20. Them that sin rebuke. That word rebuke means to, to correct sternly. Rebuke them before all so that... Others may fear also. Here's our problem with our current situation. Somebody's brand new. They're a baby in the church. They're just learning how to walk this walk. We don't need to rebuke that person openly because they're brand new. They're trying to figure it out. They're trying to walk it out. Somebody's been in the church and been sitting under mine and Pastor Michael's teachings for years and years and years, and they're still walking in this sin, and they're in this continual problem. Yep, we need to expose that. So that other people, the babies, can learn, ooh, I need to get the sin out of my life because I don't want to be on that hot seat. That's what this is. That's the purpose of this. The purpose is not to embarrass the other person. The purpose is to let the rest of the church know the pastors are not pansies and doormats. And neither is God. And neither is God. Because here's the deal. This situation has made us pastors look really bad. It really has. 
It's made us look like we're approving of sin. It's made us look like you can just behave however you want. We're just going to love you and just let you come on and stay in all the days of your life. And that is not true. I am not going to allow somebody to come in and sin in our church and take our other people to hell with them. Absolutely not. I will not do that. But notice, in ver- notice verse 21 says this. Verse 20 says, I charge thee before God and the Lord Jesus Christ and the elect angels. In other words, heaven is recording how Pastor Mike and I handle this situation. Heaven is recording this situation. And the elect angels that thou observe these things without preferring one before the other. Doing nothing in partiality. Which means if we call one person out, we have to call everybody out. That's what it means. And if we call these people out today and this problem comes up with somebody else down the road, we have to call them out too. It's what we have to do. It's what we have to do. That's the reality of it. So now, how do we move forward from here? What do we do from here? Well, I'm I, I, I'm in a predicament because, honestly, some people involved are babies and they don't deserve to be called out. And some people have repented. As far as I know, everybody's repented. Well, as far as I know. As far as you know. As far as I know. And some are still, and some have so many hidden sins that they're still repenting. But they're working on it. So how do we fix it? How do we call out one and not call out everybody else? The answer is, I don't know. That's the truth. Go to Titus. There it is. Hide. Chapter 3, verse 8. This is a faithful saying. And these things I will that thou affirm constantly, that they which have believed in God might be careful to maintain good works. These things are good and profitable unto men. But avoid foolish questions and genealogies and contentions and strivings about the law, for they are unprofitable and vain. So he's, he, here in Titus, Titus is just giving a few extra points on how to handle the church. He's given, and he's telling, he's telling us, both ministers and non-ministers, don't get into, avoid foolish questionings. Foolish questionings are like, but if we're married in our heart, is it really sin? Well, if I, if I just don't say anything, I mean, I know that they think that this is what's going on, but I don't say anything, is it really a lie? Yeah, finding the loophole. That's foolish questioning. The Word of God is black and white. It's black and white. There are no gray areas. If you're trying to find the gray area, it's a problem. And so he said, don't do that. Don't get into foolish genealogies. We don't have that so much in, in this area, in this problem. But, you know, the, the whole thing is, well, I'm actually a descendant of Abraham, and you're not, and all that. That's what they're talking about. You know, and you can get into that in this church. You can get in that into the local churches. Well, my grandparents set this church up. Therefore, I therefore I've got favor, and I can do this, and I can do that. L- stop it. 
You're all the children of God. There's no, there, there's no respecter of persons with God. And there's no such thing as a second generation Christian. No, there's not. There's not. There's no such thing as a generational Christian. Nope. A Christian is an individual choice from person to person. You are born into the family when you accept Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior and you confess it out of your mouth. When if you, you have not done that, you are not, not a Christian. Not a Christian. And I don't no care such if thing is, your great-grandparents were Christians and your grandparents were Christians and your, and your dad and mom were Christians. If you haven't done it for yourself, you're not a Christian. And, and here's the deal. The grandstands of heaven are not going to be all Baptists, you get that side. All Catholics, you get this side. Episcopalians, you're over here. Protestants, you're over here. Nazarenes, you're over here. That is not how heaven works. That's not how heaven works. Let's keep reading. Verse 10? Yep. All right. A man that is a heretic after the first and second admonition rejects. Let me be very clear about a what a heretic is. A heretic is a person that comes in with false doctrine, that comes in with false thinking. One that comes in and says, yeah, I'm walking the walk, but sh behind closed doors, I'm actually doing da-da-da-da-da. That's what a heretic is. A heretic is, is somebody that says one thing and does another. All right. Verse 11. Verse 11. Knowing that he that is such is subverted and sinneth, being condemned of himself or herself. So in verse 10, it says, a man that is a heretic after the first and second admonition reject. So the job of the pastors, here's, here's how pastors handle sin in their church. Here's how we handle it. After we correct you a few times, this actually says once or twice, somebody that is a habitual sinner, somebody that is not actually working to clean their life, somebody that just continues to sin and they bring their sin in the church and they pervert the church, somebody that does this, we correct them once or twice. And then after once or twice of being corrected, if they continue in that behavior, we are to reject them. Now, this is not everybody, hey, so-and-so wants to be a member of our church. Come on in. Stand up. We're going to introduce them. Everybody gets to stand up. Everybody gets to tell their filth of their life, and then we'll decide if we want them to be part of the family or not. That's not what this is. This is you've got somebody in your church that continually goes into sin. They continually wrap the people in the church in their sin. They continually bring sin into the church, and you've corrected them as a pastor, and you've corrected them in a pastor, and every time you turn around, and, and this is a continual problem, then we have no choice but to reject them and send them out. Our pastor, are you rejecting somebody? You're sending them out? No, I'm not. But if we get to that point, and I don't, exp and I don't explain to you that, these, that we have this problem in our church, and then one day I stand up and I say, okay, well, so-and-so, we've had to ask them to leave the church. Uh, we've turned them over to Satan for the destruction of their flesh so that their, so in the end their soul might be saved, according to 1 Corinthians 5. Uh, uh, and you guys don't have any clue that there's been a sin problem going on? Y'all going to think we're crazy. Like, wait, well, what happened? What happened? What's going on here? What's going on here? So because we're live, I'm not going to tell you who's, who's doing what or any of that, and it's none of y'all's business as far as who's doing what. What you need to know is there's been great sin going on, and it's been going on for a long time, and the Lord caused it to be exposed. With that said, they're working on fixing it. Their heart is truly grieved. Everybody that I've talked to that's involved in this situation 
their hearts are truly grieved. Truly grieved. Now, However, that's not to say that they don't owe some people some apologies. That's right. Go to Romans chapter 12. Now, honestly, I wasn't even going to, that was not my heart to even go there today. It wasn't. But, all right, 12. Some things need to be said. 12, verse 1. Chapter, Romans 12, verse 1. So let me go back with. See, the church. The church has gotten things. The church universal has gotten things into the ditch. The church universal has taken things to the extreme. They have. The role of the pastor is not to tell you who you can and cannot marry. The role of the pastor is not to tell you what job to take or where to take a job or any of that. That's not the role of the pastor. The job's not to tell you how the job of the pastor is not tell, to tell you what car to buy or how many kids to have or where to send your kids to school or anything like that. The job of the New Testament pastor is to teach you the word, to explain to you your responsibility, to compel you to be doers of the word. So yes, we will compel you. But if you want to choose, if you want to willingly, purposely sin and open the door for you to be taken into hell, that's your choice. If that's your choice, then the Bible is very clear about how we are to respond to your choice. To your choice. However, uh, the church has gotten over into teaching once saved, always saved. The church has gotten over into teaching hyper grace. Jesus died on the cross to pay for every sin you've ever, that's ever been committed, that'll ever be committed, or that you're being that you're committing presently. Therefore, it doesn't matter how you live; you can live any way you want to, and you still make heaven. The church is the the church is uh, taught no matter who you are, no matter how you live, come on into the church. We'll accept you just exactly the way you are, and you don't have to change. You don't have to do anything. It's okay. Just continue to be a sinful person. All of those are false teachings. All of those are doctrines of devils because all of those teachings lead people into hell and into bondage. When you come into Christ, you are expected to change. You are expected to change used to be the power of God and the reverence for this church was so thick and so rich that when somebody got born again, they got what was called instant sanctification. In other words, when they came, the church was so clean that when somebody came into the church, they came in contact with the power of the living God, and that power was so thick on that person's life that it instantly eradicated every sin out of that person's life. The church is now so dirty that the best sanctification that we can have is what we refer to as progressive sanctification, which basically means we preach, we preach, we preach, we preach, we preach, we preach, we preach. And we hope it sticks. And hopefully someday you'll come in contact with the power of God that'll want you, that will cause you to want to get the sin out of your life. However, that's not the way God intended it. And make no mistake, we will come back to the days of instant sanctification before Jesus comes. So if you, you can be out here looking in this world and going, oh my God, Jesus needs to hurry up and come back. But if we can't get 15 to 20 to 25 people living clean, uh, he's going to put things off for a while. 
because there has to be a major move of God. And if you can't get a small church clean, how in the world are you going to get a big church clean? You just, you're not. So we've got to preach the word. We've got to preach the word. We've got to preach the word. But here's the deal. Christ, being a Christian is W-O-R-K. It's not work on, it's not the pastor has to go to work. It's you, Christian, must go to work. Romans chapter 12, verse 1. I beseech you, therefore, Christians, Christians, believers, those who have received Jesus as the Lord of their life, by the mercies of God. Basically, the Holy Ghost through Paul is begging believers. This is begging language. He says, I'm beseeching you. I'm begging you. I'm imploring you. I'm compelling you. I am getting on my hands and my knees, and I'm saying, come on, because of the work of Christ. Present your bodies a living sacrifice. What is a sacrifice? A sacrifice is an animal that gives its life for someone else. A living sacrifice is you kill yourself, you kill your flesh, you murder your flesh for the benefit of God. Spiritually. Yeah, I'm not saying, you know, choke yourself out or take a knife to you or anything like that. No, it's a living sacrifice. What I'm saying is you put your sex drive in a box until you get married. You put perverse conversations away from you. You put alcohol away from you. Ooh, but I really like the taste of it. Put it away. I just... Put vaping away. Put cigarettes away. Put it away. Cause, uh, cause your body to go through a period of, oh, my God, I'm dying. And the world will have you to believe that's the for biggest sacrifice benefit. you can make. For his benefit. But I got news for you. There's good news on the other side. Because Christ has already defeated the desire of the flesh it will not take your flesh long to get in agreement with the Spirit if you will do it continually. It doesn't take long. Even Brianna said, Pastor, I learned something amazing recently. I said, what did you learn recently? She said, you know what? The body gets in agreement when you flat tell it no. She said, it doesn't take it long. No. Why does it not take it long? Because Jesus always uh, has already suffered through the strength of the flesh. He took on your physical flesh's strength and he whipped it and he beat it and he defeated it so that all you have to do is you have to stand up and say, in Christ, no. Okay, you have to deal with a desire for an hour. Really? An hour? Two hours? Come on, really? And you, I mean, all you have to do is say, oh, you want a cigarette? Okay, let me pull out my Bible. Oh, you want a vape? Okay, let me pull out my Bible. You got your phone in your hand all the time. There's a Bible on it, but instead of, instead of pulling out your Bible, you pull out your vape stick and you pull up social media, which all that does is feed the flesh. Stop feeding the flesh. Stop it. People tell me all the time, man, you got to watch out for those reels. They put some disgusting stuff on those reels. You know what comes up on my reels? 
dogs, horses, the word. Those are the three things that come up on my thing. You know why? Because that's the only thing I will allow my flesh to look at. If you got nasty stuff coming up on your Facebook and your reels, it's because you're looking at nasty stuff. Period. Men, you got clan, you got you got you got half dressed women on your stuff, it's because you stop on those half dressed pictures. That's why. Somebody's half dressed all month. I'm like, I want to see that. Get that off of there. I'm not stopping. I'm not pausing. Some butchy looking man, all dead, you know, he's got, you know, muscles everywhere. I'm not looking at that. That does not entertain me. I'm about the things of God. And just so you know, no, I'm not a dead woman. I'm a crucified woman. Present your bodies a living sacrifice. Present yourself holy. Present yourself holy does not mean, well, for the people that, that it matters that I'm holy, I'll be holy too, and the rest of the world I'll be dirty too. No, you be holy everywhere you go. Yep. Holy means set apart for God. Listen, God is not touching your lion tongue. I want, I want prophecy to flow. I want the word of wisdom. I want the word of knowledge. I want the gift of discerning. I want healing to flow out of my mouth, but yet I lie every time I get the opportunity. You can't have your cake and eat it too. Get the lies out of your mouth. Be holy. Be acceptable to God. You need to take a daily checkup and look at your life and say, is my behavior acceptable to God? Seriously. Or is this the kind of stuff that Jesus would do if he was here? Seriously. If you look, if Jesus looked at your life today, if you, if you, at the end of the day, you should stand in front of the mirror and say, would Jesus accept what I was today? And if you answer no, you need to get to repenting. And actually, if Jesus were here today, would he join in with me on whatever it is I'm doing? And look at what it says. Which is your reasonable service? Reasonable. It's reasonable. We want everything for free. Guess what? Everything's not free. Go to verse 2. You know, a lot of people say that, 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 that salvation is free, but it's not. Jesus paid the price. Free. Jesus paid for it. And the least you can do for him is you can live the life that he came to give you. That's your reasonable service. And if you're not sure what all this means, he goes on to say, be not conformed to this world. You should look different. Amen. You should talk different. You should walk different. You should sound different. But I got news for you. If you think, well, nobody will know but me, no, people know. People know. Truth is, I knew that there was stuff going on. Let me be very clear, very honest. Because I have a failure in this myself. So if I'm not so if I'm gonna throw people under the bus without any partiality, I have to throw myself under the bus. The reality is, is I know that I'm a hard pastor. 
I know I'm hard. I know I'm harsh. I know I put a big, I, I know I put a big expectation on the people, and I know that when you get into sin, I look at you and go, what is wrong with you? I know I'm harsh, but that's not my heart. I look at my spiritual dad and my spiritual granddad, and they are two of the most gentlest, humblest people you will ever meet in your life. They are. Reverend Randall, Randy Greer and Reverend Kenneth E. Hagan, they are two of the most gentle people. They are so humble. Dad Hagan was known. To this day, he's still known for never saying a bad word about any person. In fact, they, he, there, was an, there was a man that was, in, that was in a town that was so mean and crotchety, nobody, I mean nobody, could say anything nice about him. And they thought for sure, because this is how Dad Hagen's reputation was, they thought for sure they had Kenneth Hagen. With not, that, that there was nothing that Kenneth Hagen could find to say good about this man. And they asked, they asked Kenneth Hagen, they said, Ken, you know, so-and-so passed away. What, what's your opinion of that man? What do you think about that man? Just, just, trying, to, just trying to see. The devil's going to always try to catch you in something. They were just trying to see. And they said, and the report was, he, he sat there quiet for several minutes. For several minutes. And then finally, this is what he said. He sure does have pretty teeth. He just, he just, he perfected his love walk. He always found something good in everybody. And I can find something good in everybody. But for whatever reason, God, you, I, probably because I said, give me, you know, probably because I said, Lord, if nobody will take the mantle, I'll take the mantle of some of these people. And like Lester Summerall and Smith Wigglesworth and guys like that. And guess what? They were harsh and sharp and quick from what I've been told. So I guess I got a little something of that, and I guess God knew I was, that was my heart, and that's why he created me to be a redhead. But here's the deal. I don't like being hard. I don't like being harsh. I don't like constantly being up in our people's grill. At some point, honestly, after 20-something years, I just wanted somebody to get it. I just wanted there to be a little bit of fruit. I got tired of every time I was correcting people and every time I was allowing some righteous indignation to flow. So because we live in a hard-headed, stiff-necked generation. I mean, this is the generation. Yeah, this is the generation that's going to birth the coming of Christ, but this is also the generation that a large percentage of them are going to hell. And so I got tired. I got weary. I got tired of my husband saying, would you quit correcting so hard you're going to chase everybody out of the church? I well, I got all. soft and look at the church. So I backed off. And even when I knew things were not right, even when I kept calling things out and saying, what's going on? What's going on? And I kept getting told, there's nothing going on. That's, no, well, I mean, there's a little something, but not enough. And da, 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 da. I just, I backed off. And because I backed off, sin ran wild in the church. And call somebody out, call myself out. Be not conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of 
the mind. How are you going to transform your life? By renewing your thinking. By getting away from a retrobate mind. A retrobate means a corrupted mind. Our thinking is worldly and it's corrupted. We don't think the way God thinks. I used to be this person. I used to be this person. I used to think I, I used to think that, that if people wanted to get high, they could get high. That was their choice. People wanted to get drunk, they could get drunk. That was their choice. People wanted to lie to, to save people's feelings. Well, it was okay to lie to save people's feelings. I used to think, you know, what goes around comes around. I used to think, well, you know, I, I don't really personally agree with abortion, but if that's the right thing for you, then that's the right thing for you. I used to think that way. But then I allowed God to get a hold of me. I allowed God's word to make my thoughts his thoughts. That's you, why we confess every Wednesday night. I have the mind of Christ. I have the mind of Christ. God's thoughts are my thoughts. God's words are my words. God's actions are my actions. Why? Because I've become, because when you receive Jesus Christ, you become one with him. And you have to learn to walk with him him not walk according to what you want to walk and Jesus just gets to tag along by the renewing of your mind that you may prove here's the deal if you cannot if you do not if you do not renew your mind you will not prove out the good acceptable will of God you will not prove out the goodness of God because though you may have, I mean, listen, you can, you can live half clean, half dirty and get blessings. You can live dirty and get blessings because it's the goodness of God that draws people to repentance. It's not the judgment of God that draws people to repentance. It's the goodness of God. So you can live in absolute sin and be blessed. And I think this is where a lot of Christians get off. The blessings are flowing in their life, so they go, I'm good, I'm, I'm got it. I'm the blessings are flowing, I'm walking clean. But guess what? The blessings were flowing even before you were saved. That's what got you saved. But how many more blessings will flow when you get it right? Yep. How many more will flow when you get it right? Go to 1 Thessalonians 5.23. We'll pick up in actually, we'll pick up in 16. But we're going to, the point that I want to make is in 23. 1 Thessalonians 5, 16 to 23. Rejoice evermore. Pray without ceasing. In everything, give thanks. For this is the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning you. Doesn't that sound like work? You know what? It takes work to rejoice evermore. Yeah. It takes work to pray without ceasing. It takes work to give thanks in absolutely everything. It takes work to do the will of God. Quench not the spirit. That takes work. Despise not prophesyings. That also takes work. That means don't just throw them to the side. Yep. Prove, eh. prove all things. Hold fast that which is good. <laughs> Hold on to the good. Prove out. Listen, 
Don't when I when it says prove all things, don't go into sin to prove that the what the pastor says about what sin will do in your life. Don't go into sin just to prove that what that, that, that what I tell you is true. Don't do that. That's some backwards thinking. Don't there. do that. Well, I just, I mean, pastor says that sin will bring sickness, disease, destruction. It'll just destroy my life. But I don't believe the pastor's true. So let me just go out here and give me a big help in a sin and see if they're true. Is it true? Listen, have you, have you experienced enough sin to know that you get into sin, it brings sickness, death, disease, and destruction? Is it true? So yes. It is true. All right. Verse 22. You're not the only one that's done that. Uh, okay. Abstain from all appearance of evil. Oh, my goodness. Oh, my goodness. Abstain from the appearance of evil, Pastor. That's work. Yeah. You're, call, you're a Christian. That's what you do. Ladies, don't be alone with men that are not your husbands. Men, don't be alone with ladies that are not your wives. And in this day and age, people, just don't be alone with other people. I mean, that's that's, I mean hard if, to you do. Can't, if ladies can't keep their junk private with other ladies, then just don't be around anybody at all. You know, if you just don't get involved in that stuff, that Just don't really be alone, except for with Jesus. Uh. I mean, this has gotten ridiculous. You can't have a daughter and say, oh, yeah, we can have a sleepover. They can all hang out in their room and sleep in the same room together. No, they can't, because I guarantee you, two of them girls are hooking up. Same thing with the boys. Oh, well, that's the girls. The boys will be fine. No, they're hooking up, too. Oh, my Lord Jesus. In case you didn't hear it, Zach said, and then they're switching rooms. Listen. This generation has been taught, I'm telling you what, this generation has been taught that sex is the bomb diggity. And that if sex you're not doing it. Sex is absolutely and everything. You, and not only, it, not only if it feels good, do it, but if you're not doing it, there's something wrong with you. If you don't have pictures of it on your phone, there's something wrong with you. Guess what does? That's pornography. It's not pornography, Pastor. They're pictures of me. It's pornography. Just because you know the person doesn't mean it's not pornography. If you have pictures of things that are meant to be private on people's bodies, you have pornography on your phone. Yep. Period. End of story. Y'all laugh and joke when I bring up what pagan worship was. Pagan worship was when people were, was extremely sexual. We have a young generation, and sad to say, we even have an old generation. You don't believe me? Go hang out in some nursing room, some some nursing homes sometimes. One of the biggest problems in nursing homes is keeping everybody out of everybody's junk. I got people that work in the health industry in here going, that is 
so incredibly true. I'm not trying to be crude. I'm not trying to be gross. I'm not. But we have become a pagan society. The United States of America, God's chosen nation, has become a pagan, sinful, sexual society. And we, the church, are to be the light of something different. Which means we have to abstain from even the appearance of evil. Even the appearance. Well, God, you're just trying to take all my fun away. No, he's trying to keep you safe and clean and out of the devil's clutches. Keep going. And the very God of peace sanctify you wholly, and I pray, God, your whole spirit and soul and body be preserved blameless Unto the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. I want you to notice what the this scripture says. It says, and the very God of peace sanctify you wholly, completely. God wants you completely whole. He wants you completely sanctified. Don't let that word sanctify scare you. That word sanctified simply means set apart and completely clean, ready for the master's use. That's what that word sanctified means. He wants you completely sanctified. He wants you completely whole. He doesn't just want your spirit sanctified. He wants your spirit and your soul, which is your mind, your emotions, your thoughts. He wants that part of you uh, holy and sanctified. And he wants your body to be holy and to be sanctified. He wants every part of you to be holy and sanctified spirit soul and body that every part of you is preserved blameless so that there's no sin in you whatsoever for when jesus christ comes we're trying to prepare you for christ if your body is in sin you're not ready if your mind, if you have a sinful mind, if you have a worldly mind, if you have a mind that constantly is figuring out how to sin, your mind is not ready for Christ to come. Your spirit will automatically be ready if you receive Jesus. That's what the new birth does. The new birth immediately goes, spirit, you're ready. But then when you become a Christian, you have to go to work and you have to take what's in your spirit and you have to get your mind and your body in agreement. That's where the work comes in. The work comes in with getting your mind and your body in agreement with the spirit of God that's on the inside of you. Somebody needs to write that down. Getting, when you come, when you become born again, the work is getting your body and your, or your mind and your body in agreement with the Spirit. When you get born again, the work of a Christian is getting your mind and your body in agreement with your Spirit. That's what Christianity is, is getting your mind and your body in the agreement of the Spirit because your Spirit agrees with the Word. Well, but I don't always hear and know everything in my spirit. That's why God gave us this right here. Jesus, oh, I don't really know Jesus personally. Then get in the word. Mm -hmm. And here's the deal. 
Yes, you need to read the Old Testament. Yes, you need to know what's in the Old Testament. You at least need to read it through once so you actually understand the history of where you come from. It'll help you to understand the New Testament better. But where you need to spend 98% of your time in the Word is in the New Testament. Seriously. You need to spend 98% of your time in the New Testament because the New Testament is the dispensation that we live in today. That's where the anointing is today. Yes, knowing our history helps us. Yes, there's principles in the Old Testament that helps us. We even preach out of the Old Testament. I preached out of the Old Testament this morning. But 98% of your life comes out of the New Testament. I think I'm done. Okay. I got one thing to Go share about pornography, but I'm not sure I want it going on the Internet. Okay. Well, then we'll just do this. Uh, if you'll, if you'll uh, just, um, if you're online and you want to give, uh, your, the information um, is on the screen for just a minute or so. Take a quick snapshot, um, and then we're going to end the live stream so we can talk about in-house.